The GP will see you now. Hey guys, this is Steven here with another episode of the Death to Vanilla podcast where we believe in three things. Courageously creating, boldly innovating, and experimenting. And gosh, do I have such an exciting podcast for you guys today. I was, I had a chance to be able to interview Sean Castrina, and he is an incredible entrepreneur. He is like truly a serial entrepreneur and has done just incredible things with all these different businesses that he's started as well as having an incredibly successful personal brand. Uh, so he has a podcast called The 10 Men Entrepreneur, which he literally just tries to shove as much uh, juicy help for people uh, being entrepreneurs in 10 minutes. He's got, uh, he's a best-selling author. He's got uh, several books as well as a free one that you uh, can find out about in the podcast that he'll actually send you for free. And yeah, he just, man, he's just done a lot of stuff. And I, I got to tell you guys, he has, he's one of the guys that really likes to keep things simple and keep things to the basics. And so he has a, uh, an example, uh, you know, when we kick off the podcast, we talks about, you know, if you are, um, well, I, I'll, I'll do my own, right? So, because I think he did soccer and, you know, for, for basketball, you know, if you can't dribble, if you can't shoot, if you can't block, um, you're going to have a tough time being a good basketball player. And, uh, so for, you know, for all the, the CMOs, for the business owners, for the marketers that are listening, um, man, this is a challenge to get back to basics, Back to the things that are actually going to make a difference for your business rather than just chasing down, um, you know, the next greatest thing. So obviously we believe in experimenting and and trying out emerging platforms. And so uh, we actually do spend a little bit of time uh, talking about experimenting and, and creating a framework for the experimentation so that you actually have a chance to get um, your hands around and get metrics for different things that you're trying, which I think is so important because, you know, from what I'm seeing on Twitter, from what I've, I've experienced on my own, man, there is just so many places to be and so many techniques in each of those places to actually do it well, right? Like you can post everywhere, but that doesn't mean that it's like actually effective. It doesn't actually mean that you're making progress in either of those platforms, um, and so this is just a real challenge to like, allow things to mature, to have a chance to win. And then if they're not winning, just cut them out. And so he's, he does a, a couple things that are like absolutely very traditional in the sense of like direct mailers and everything like that. But he's getting results because at the end of the day, it's just got to make money. He's got to get leads. And so that was just really exciting for me. It was a huge challenge for me not to chase the shiny red ball, but just have the priority be what the priority needs to be, which is to make money. And so I, as marketers, that is kind of a primary job, but sometimes we can get a little sidetracked. So I hope you enjoy that. Um, uh, before we jump into the podcast, um, just a little bit about ourselves. We are a marketing agency in Phoenix, Arizona that focuses primarily on video production. We do it well. We do it great. And one thing that we are very strong on is making sure that we really get the messaging right and the branding right so that it actually tells a story and has a look and feel of something that would actually represent your business and being able to really put that into uh, creative, expressive, and um, with those subtleties that make such a big difference. And so we think we do that really well. And we think that, you know, we're, we're experimenting currently in TikTok and Triller and a whole bunch of emerging platforms that we can be a guide for you as you uh, move into these new spaces and try them out because 
as far as I'm concerned, each one of these new emerging platforms is just kind of like a door-to-door salesman going to a new neighborhood and seeing who's there and see what is works and what doesn't work and what the people are all about. And so um, we're out there exploring and uh, carving a path through the uh, forbidden unknown forest. And so um, please reach out to us as you know, we'd love to help you out as uh, you go down these new paths. Um, reach out to us, uh, to me, uh, email Stephen at Burkhart creative agency.com or shoot me a text. It's six, two, three, two, five, seven, seven, four, three, two. And I'd be happy to chat with you. So on to the podcast with Sean Castrina. Well, anyways, Sean, thank you so much for joining us at the death vanilla podcast, where we talk about courageously creating boldly innovating and experimenting. And so I'm excited to have you on. You have a ton of uh, business experience. I see you've been a speaker at some really awesome events. Uh, you have some some great books uh, that you're offering and just like an impressive portfolio. So I'd love for you to get a chance to introduce yourself, brag about yourself a little bit, and uh, tell us what you're all about. Yeah. Hi, again, Sean Castrino. I'm an author, but most importantly, I'm an entrepreneur. If I wasn't starting businesses, I wouldn't write because I think my stuff would be stale. So I'm, I'm really committed to that, that section of it. So yeah, I typically start a company and or a division within a company every year and i've been doing it for over 20 years and and i write books about it so there you go that's awesome well hey i got to start out with a a selfish question so and this one was totally off the cuff uh because i don't get a chance to actually talk to many uh book authors so this is exciting for me um i listened to a podcast um and they they talked about some of the dynamic differences between say video and uh, maybe like even like a, like a keynote speech in a book. And what they said is that a book is education first, entertainment second. And like a video would be entertainment first, education second. I think I yeah, said that in right order. Yeah. Would you, what, what is your thoughts on that? Like, do you find that to be true or how do you kind of approach that? Well, I mean, in a book, a person is typically more patient because they just under you know they have they most people understand there's a start there's a first chapter and an ending so i think just they're more trained to be a touch more patient where video anything on a screen we you know six you know what is it five seconds on youtube before you can skip the ad or something so i think we've just been trained to dismiss any video you better grab my attention you better be great creative fast amazing i mean you got TikTok, and so i just think yeah there's no question that that's accurate Okay, cool. That that's like I said, that's kind of a selfish question of my own because I feel like um, uh, I don't know if you, uh, have you done any research with like the enneagrams or like the personality types of that nature. I mean, I've done everything on personality types. I was a psych major in college. So I'm very familiar. <laughs> with Perfect. You got people that analyze things, and then you got people that you know. You know, we we definitely have, there's a lot of ways to attract a lot of different people. 100%. Well, yeah. So the, the reason I ask is because I discovered recently I'm an Enneagram 5, which is an investigator. So I'm very much into like learning and uh, I read a lot of books and stuff like that. And so for me, I was like, you know what? I think my I actually might be stronger like as a personality type from a book than I would a video. Um, and so uh, that was like kind of exciting to me to hear that because I was like, you know what? I don't know if I have enough to say in a book yet, but it certainly is makes it a much more attractive option as someone who's trying to promote a business. Yeah, and and, and selling people like you, like we have personality types. You're the granular. Yeah. You're the engineer. You you want to know how we're going to make the soup. Yep. 
other people just want to know what the suit is it going to taste good and when can i get it or how much is it going to cost so you're the you're the you know how are you going to make it well and that's that's so true because that's been one of my biggest uh struggles as a business owner driving you know sales and everything like that is is getting caught up too much in the granular not enough focused on like the benefits you know features versus benefits right absolutely but before we go down that road rabbit trail too much um what so you know i wanted to talk a little bit about marketing obviously you have a lot of experience with that just because you've had to market your ideas right if you're you're starting something new all the time you've got to be able to explain it communicate it get buy in from it uh, which to me is a lot of what marketing is. It's not simply just sales. It's about messaging and so on and so forth. So for you, um, you know, the Death to Vanilla podcast is all about saying something, doing something, marketing something in a way that like stands out as opposed to just blending in with everything else. Um, like you talked about, you know, people are, you know, waiting every second of the five seconds to skip a YouTube ad. So what for you is like bold marketing or, you know, does that mean it's risky? Does that mean it just says something crazy? Like, what does that mean to you? I think the first thing, I mean, I think there's fundamental rules in everything as an athlete and anything that I do, I think there's just fundamentals, you know, play soccer, you've got to, you've got to be able to kick the ball, hit the ball, throw the ball in and stop a goal. You can dress everything up, but if you can't do those four things, you're probably not going to have a very good soccer team. And I tell you, in marketing, it's true. There's a lot of ways to do all the components of it. But number one is until you know your target audience. If my target audience is over 55, I probably don't need to wow them with something silly or stupid or whatever the case may be. But if they're under 25, I may need to go a different approach. So I think it. I, th I still think the fundamental rule is know who you're communicating with. And you'll find a, and then you have to have a, me a message that resonates with that audience and gets their attention and drags them through the buying process. So, I, you know, I, I think sometimes we can get too cute. Like sometimes I watch a commercial and at the end of the day, it failed in the fundamentals. Mm. What are you selling? Why should I buy it from you? Okay. Like they were so cute that it's over and I don't know what they were selling. I don't know why I should buy it. So it entertained me, but it did not sell me. It did not. I don't remember the company, you know, sometimes you can get really too cute. Right. Yeah. That's, um, that reminds me of an ad that I hear all the time on the radio. I'm not sure. I, th I think it's just a local company in Arizona, but they have a guy that has like a really funny, like, not like a Swedish accent. I can't really place it, but it's a foam company for like insulation. It's like, they're like two, two, two foam. And it's like one of those things where like you, you hear that so many times, like you cannot forget that phone number you know what i mean so it is you know it's kind of cute in the sense they have like funny accent for it and everything else but like you can actually remember how to contact them and it's literally the word foam there's no guessing what they're selling yeah, and, and, <laughs> and that stuff about that yeah yeah i mean i like i mean i i think you can be cute you can be there's a lot of ways to get people's attention without question you have to get someone's attention there's no getting around that. I mean, marketing has to grab their attention. Look at the Geico commercials and, you know, Old Spice, you know, where they, you know, you got to get somebody's attention. But then you got to tell them what it is you're selling. And then there has to be some pitch as to why I should buy it from you. I mean, they're, they're fundamentals and you can get cute and there's a million ways to do that now. Um, but you still have to touch those bases, I think. Right. So let me, maybe this is, um, are you are you comfortable sharing like stories of things that didn't work that you were able to turn oh, around? Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah, I know. I, I'm not, ask me anything. So I would I would love to hear since you have you know 
rather than what you've seen, I'd love to hear what you've experienced as far as like what's something that you like miscommunicated at first when it came to the marketing of it and then like made an adjustment and kind of walk us through like how you were able to navigate that. Yeah, I, I, the key thing is, is that I, I, I mean, I'm pretty good with marketing as a general, but there are times where I thought something would resonate in an area and it just didn't. Mm, okay. So it's not, I, I don't rarely, you know, sometimes you just run something in the medium that you use. It might be a new direct mail piece that is new to the area, or it's a radio station that really doesn't have your target customer. Typically I've picked bad, bad um, vehicles before, but they've worked on many other vehicles. So that's, you know, I've never found that to be the, what I've learned in advertising, this might be more helpful to your audience. Go if for it. it doesn't work, you can't fix it. Listen to, listen what I'm telling to you. I'm talking 80% of the time. If you try something and it has no traction, scrap it and redo it. Re, because I, I've never turned something around is what I'm trying to tell you. If the, if the people, they'll try to get you on three month contracts. Well, you got to have reputation. And I owned a very, a seven figure direct mail magazine. Okay. I understand how to get you under a contract. I own a, a very lucrative digital marketing company. I understand marketing and I'm telling my business owners, don't, don't sign. If you're a new company, don't sign on for something long. You know, if it has, you'll know if it has some, some teeth. You may have to modify it a little bit, but you'll be getting a lot of calls. Maybe they're not buying, so maybe you're not getting your target customer. You know, you can tweak that a little bit. But if it's crickets, it's you have failed. Some, some it's either the wrong message, the wrong medium you're using. Uh, you know, you're, you're you're missing on a massive component, and you better restart that. So, I mean, that's perfect with like the whole experimenting thing that I was talking about earlier. Is is one of kind of like the bedrocks of what we desire is is do you have a framework in which you do your experimenting because obviously like you said if something doesn't work there could be so many different things that are wrong about it it could be the messaging it could be the target audience it could be the product how do you, do you have like a framework that you work through that experimentation process yeah the one thing that i've learned is don't the, one of the bigger mistakes that we tend to do is we run we're going to launch a company for example or we're going to do we're going to start the new year off we're doing like four different things do one thing at a time. That way you can hold its feet to the fire. So instead of you trying to do everything, just say, okay, for January through mid-February, I'm gonna do this. Through February 15th and March 31st, I'm gonna do this. And track the daylights out of it. How many, you know, how many leads did you get? How many calls did you get? How many conversions? What, just, you know, create a dashboard for everything that you're doing. The problem is we, we've, we got four different things going on. We don't know who to give credit for it. And sometimes four things created the credit example. And I understand it because I do what I call layered marketing. In other words, I own a lot of home service companies. So I understand that I need to get your attention, but I need to get over your skepticism. I need to build credibility. So I have radio commercials that run all day long on nothing but testimonials. They're not designed to pitch you to buy me. All I want you to say when you're getting ready to go shopping is I've heard good things about so-and-so. Mm -hmm. See, I do layered marketing. So when I do a radio, I've tried radio. It doesn't move the needle for me, but it, it's very good. It's a one minute format. You have them trapped in the car. It's a good way to, to do testimonials. I think better than any other method and or a TV. So I, in other words, I know this cause I've done it for so long, but if I did four things at one time, I wouldn't really know what's working and what's not working. 
So the two pieces of advice I give anybody who's owning a business is let each vehicle stand on their own for six weeks. That's the only way you can truly know what works. Number two is if it's crickets, it's a bad vehicle, bad message. It's one of the two, and it's typically a bad vehicle. Mm, okay. If you put it on the right vehicle, you're still going to get some some type of, you know, somebody's going to reach out to you. Right. So okay. That, that, no, that answers that question perfectly. Yeah. Um, there was something I was thinking while you were mentioning that. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess for me that resonates a lot because I feel like, like I, you know, with like social media specifically, you know, like some of the, on the digital side of the marketing, you know, um, we have these uh, programs that can help us post to like every single social media platform known to man, you know, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, you know, all these other ones. And I feel like at some point, um, you know, each one of those platforms kind of require their own like strategy effort type Absolutely. of medium. And so at that point, it's like, okay, I'm posting everywhere. So I'm not like missing out on a specific audience. But like, how do you even know you're doing you well, you don't know what works? See, the, exactly. This is the game. This is the game of advertising. It's a really simple game. <clears throat> you're trying to lower your cost per acquisition to the lowest humanly possible. That is marketing. That is the home run. The home run in marketing is I've acquired a target customer for less money than my competitor or less money than I even budgeted for. It's Moneyball. You know, right. like the old book about the, you know, the Oakland A's. Um, you know, the big thing is on base percentage, he found out was the only statistic that was the most valuable statistic. So if he could put ba people on bases for the least amount cap salary cap wise, it was, you know, that was, you know, the, the concept. It's the same thing with marketing. I have a numerical number of leads I need to get per week. It This number, dicta I can look at my revenue. I can look at my profit. I'm telling you, the leads knock down all the other dominoes. So I got to get that number. I know what that magic number is. Now, the key is I've got to get that number needs to be quality people. Now, I know right. my target customer. If not, they're not going to buy. Example, if I own a home improvement company and I'm and my targeting renters and, and apartments, I can get 40 calls. They're all worthless. So they still have to be your target quality customer. But then once you hit that, then you got to tweak it and try to keep getting that cost per acquisition lower. I mean, that's the, that's the game. And you can't do it if you're on five different mediums. You don't know what, you know, each one of them have a different cost, you know, and that, and that's why it's so diluted. Some like impressions, clicks, and yeah, hey, I, I want a customer. Let skip all that. I need a customer. A customer is somebody who bought from me. And I need to reverse engineer their buying process. So you want to find out what's going to work in your marketing. Find the last 10 people who wrote you a check, bought from you. They're the people you need to get on the phone with and say, hey, listen, Mrs. Smith, we're going to give you such and such for free. We're so grateful that you're a customer. We're always trying to improve our marketing, keep our costs, you know, what, you know, affordable. What made you buy from us? Where did you see us? What about our ad? Get somebody on the phone and just ask them that. Give them something to give you that information and just say, I'm going to take one minute of your time. That's it's old school, but I, <laughs> that's how you get the information. Is that one of those conversations you find yourself having over and over again? All, over and I'm always asking customers because I want to know. That's why I know that radio doesn't make them bring up the phone, but I've talked to enough customers saying, I hear so much about you guys. 
Well, I know the only way to place they're hearing that is on the radio. So I can reverse engineer the process. They're like, I heard so much about you over the last six months. And then I got such and such in the mail. And then I saw a TV commercial. And so it might've been the combination of two, you know? So you just, you got to reverse engineer the buying process. Why did, why, you know, you always got to keep saying, why did they buy from me in the first place? And then kind of own that buying process, that marketing process. Right. So, you know, I know a lot of people, what, what's been your experience with TikTok so far? Because I know a lot of people have been jumping in on it because it's new, because uh, people are making huge audiences. Um, you know what I mean? It's one of those emerging platforms, right? So the algorithm hasn't choked it out quite yet. Um, what's been, have you played around with that at all? Has that been something that you've jumped on? Or is that, have you really not had any businesses where that audience was going to be a win for you? Yeah, I haven't. I, I try not to jump on things that are completely new. Mm -hmm. I like them to kind of flush themselves. I'm more of a Warren Buffett guy. I like to see if they, I like to flush them out a little bit first. Right. But then, you know, then I'll, I'll jump into something. But again, the biggest question I have is my, I know my target customer is for all my businesses. So if they're not, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, if I thought a hot air balloon over, over a, a wine, over a wine tasting would work. Because that's a, probably my target customer. That's people over the age of 35 with money. Mm -hmm. I'm advertising there. You, you know, again, the basics are still the basics. You can be fun. You can be cute. You can do all that stuff. I have no problem with it. But you still have to attract your target customer with a message that makes them reach out to you and then buy. And the fundamentals are still the fundamentals. And I, again, I, I, I've owned direct mail magazines in 23 cities. I own a digital marketing company. I, 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 under, I have an ad running on the super, during the Super Bowl in our region for my companies. I mean, I do it all. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't care. I'm not a respecter of any of them. It's cost per acquisition. Now, perfect example, I'm running a Super Bowl. That's big money. So I know that's got to knock over a lot of dominoes. Oh, yeah, for so sure. I don't even put it on the hook for generating a customer. I use it completely as brand building. I earmark it because branding is one of the fundamentals of marketing. So I don't even try to hold it up to a numerical standard. I, I know that, okay, what happens if this many people see our ad, see a testimony during the Super Bowl? what is that worth over the next 12 months? I, I tend to believe it's worth quite a bit because it, you know, so. There's a no. lot of ways to accomplish that. No, I think that's great. And I think that kind of, for me, brings up a, a kind of like a next step question, which is like, okay, brand awareness is obviously huge. Um, you know, let's just say we have our ducks in a row and we've got, you know, steps one through five. Yeah. Like where do you, is, is brand awareness something that you're doing, you know, steps one through five or is there, what's up? The day you open your business. Okay. The day you, the bottom line, people buy from people they like and trust, period, period. Here's another fundamental. Barring being the cheapest person, which is hard to compete in, people buy from people they like and trust. Now, trust can be that they believe you'll deliver on what you, what you say you're going to deliver on, you know, the old Domino's pizza. I'll get you pizza in 30 minutes or less. I right. trust that you'll provide, I pr I'll trust <clears throat> you're going to give me an edible pizza in 30 minutes. That was it. That was their value proposition. They beat that to, you know, and, and people bought it whatever that case may be, but people buy from people they like and trust. So th that's a fundamental, well, that's brand. I mean, you know, you, you're constantly bringing your, you're building your brand and, and however you choose, like how, 
you know, Red Bull's a different branding position than Coca-Cola. Very Mountain different. Dew is somewhere in the middle. You know, Mountain Dew is kind of grabbing a little bit of the Red Bull idea. But in other words, again, they each have a different target customer. So it, you're constantly messaging and branding, you know, you know who, who's our company and why should you buy from us? I mean, in essence, that's your brand. I always say your brand is what's the, if you want to, here's just a free piece of advice. <laughs> this is the best thing that I've ever come up with in marketing. And I read books constantly and I teach at colleges and whatever the case may be. You want to find your branding position. You're getting ready to launch a company. This right here is worth the entire podcast. What one promise that you can deliver on that your competition fails to, that if your target customer heard it, they would chase you down for your business. Think about that again. What one promise, if you could deliver on it and your target customer heard about it, they would chase you down for your business. Every business follows that principle that's successful. Amazon, what if we get you anything in the world with one, one click, one click, get it there in 24 hours. That's kind of the promise they've made to us. Southwest Airlines, we'll fly you anywhere for cheaper. Okay, that's, their, that's the promise that they're making. FedEx, we, how did they beat UPS and, and United Post Office? What if we can get a package overnight anywhere in the world? That was their one promise. Look at Nike. What if we could put our shoes and apparel on the most esteemed athletes on the planet? I think you'd buy from us. Yeah, it worked. Bo Jackson, John McEnroe, early on, you know, that's how they did it. They got the most recognized athletes in the world to wear their, their, their shoes and attire. You know, Bo knows all the way back to then. Great companies don't muddy the water with 50 things. Geico, what if we could save you 15%? Give us 15 minutes, we'll save you 15%. Allstate, safe drivers, save 20%. It's it's all one. At the end of the day, you got to make one promise that you think can outposition your competition. That's great marketing. The problem is we try to market five different things, or we change what it is every two months. Right. I'm saying you got to find that one value proposition, which is that one promise, and make build your entire brand around that. Well, I feel like that is that is exactly some of the journey that I saw um, Burger King go through, right? Because they had, you know, people wanted healthy options, and they wanted to serve this and serve that and serve this. And at the end of the day, like, they've, they've kind of embraced the idea that like, people are there for a Whopper. That's it. Yeah. And like, that's what all their like signs show. That's what they advertise. Like, that's what they have, like their juicy sounds on their, their uh, TV ads. And it's like, they serve Whoppers. And yes, they serve other things. And yes, they're delicious. But like, that they've had to learn to embrace that one thing. KFC went through the same thing mm -hmm. when the, everything was getting healthy. Everything was going to get Kentucky. We want we want fried chicken. Yeah, we want greasy fried chicken. <laughs> That's exactly what we want. I don't want deep fried tofu. <laughs> yeah, I, want I want fried chicken. Exactly. If I want to go to a nutritious choice, I'm probably going to you know that's a different spot. Can't be all things. Oh, geez. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I really appreciate you bringing that up about that one promise. And I feel like I feel like there's this like odd trend that I've been I've been bringing up to different people and I kind of want to get your take on it, which is like this weird, like false humility with people where they're like 
like they really downplay what it is they do or how awesome they are. And I, I kind of feel like at the end of the day, you really have to make kind of like a, I mean, obviously it's a promise you can deliver on, yeah. but you really yeah, have to I'm like beat your chest and say like, Hey, we're the best at something. Yeah. And I feel like people are really hesitant to do that now. It's not, not so much like bigger businesses, you know, they, they get it. And, you know, and, but you know, as a business gets smaller, it get, becomes more personal because, um, you know, usually like the founder of the business owner is like the, you know, that's their baby and stuff like that. And so there is more of an emotional thing, but I'd be curious what your take is on that. Yeah. I think there, there's a word for it, but I, you'd, you'd beep it out of the podcast. I mean, my last guest not, swore, so you can, yeah, you yeah. can go for it. You know, you, 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 you know you, it was, a, it was, it was probably a lady part. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, you have to man up or lady up or whatever the case may be. You're in business to make money. Let me just let me just crush everything out there. All right. To make money, you've got to be the best at something to really make money. If you don't make money, you're out of business. So all your good holistic thoughts, I want to do this, I want to do that. You can't do any of it. Guess what? You can't give any money away when you don't make money. Okay, you can't have you can't build a great culture if you don't have a great company. You don't have a great company if you don't make money. Okay? So the law of profit says you better be great at something. You better make money at it. And I've never found a company that's not great companies let you know, hey, we do that better than anybody. There's never been a company that's, you know, by the way, we suck at this. Just so you know, no, we suck. Really, out of 10 companies, we're probably number nine. And I'd like you to buy from us. I mean, it just makes no sense, right? I I want you to buy from, no, no, we really are pretty average now that I think about it. No, it doesn't work. (laughs) Not very inspiring, is it? Yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, that that's part of that building trust part where it's like you really have to believe that someone believes in themselves to deliver on that kind of stuff. Otherwise, it's like, why would you waste your time? Yeah, You know, it's still this still works around the world, still works in America. We still like greatness. Yeah. Okay. Everybody tiptoes around it, but no, we really we really like greatness. We admire greatness. Now, are, are we really surprised when Jeff Bezos is, you know, worth over a hundred billion dollars? Anybody should be worth over a hundred billion dollars. The person running Amazon, because I buy something every seven hours. <laughs> so I'm true. Not, right. I'm not shocked. Right. I'm not shocked. Guess what, Elon? If you could put somebody on Mars or, or you know, what SpaceX, you can put somebody in space. You can partner with, you know, NASA to do that. And by the way, you can create an electric car that can do it in 3.5 seconds and looks decent. All right, I think you're worth 100 to 200. That's that. I think that idea is in that category. We're not shocked. Greatness leads footprints, and and we we admire these people. You know, look at everybody who's super great. It's not like when you go like, well, Warren Buffett. He's just a really. He's been an average invest investor for years. No, we know he's the greatest investor to breathe oxygen. Right? We know he's the greatest. We we. It's okay to be great. Well, okay, so then I guess so then I got to ask you another personal question then because obviously like you've built a personal brand, right? Your your name is not just tied to the businesses you have, right? You have your own name, right? Exactly. And you do these businesses. So, did you struggle with like imposter syndrome as you were like building or was that something where like you just looked at your work and you're like, "Yep, that's that's good." <laughs> I think you have to I tell people when you start a business, grab a massive branding position from the beginning. Mm. And then live up to it. Okay. 
So you're so going my, to experience imposter syndrome because yeah, there is. There's a point where you're kind of faking it till you make it, like Andre Agassi said at one point. That yeah, you there is a point, but you better you better get in, you better grow in the them shoes fast, and you still have to deliver on what you promise. Sure. Example: h- How many times do you hear like radio ads where somebody says that they're the greatest sales trainer in the world? I've heard how many people claim to be the greatest. It's it's who can who can identify it? I mean, what's the measurable on that? Right. Yeah, you know, it's like what's the measurable? So I don't. So you can grab a big branding position, but you better grow into it quick. <laughs> that reminds me. So uh, have you ever watched Elf oh, yeah, uh, the, with Will Ferrell? And when he runs into that coffee shop, he's like, congratulations, best cup of coffee. And it's like, who's walking around deciding who has the best cup of coffee? But it didn't stop them from putting it up on the, the sign. And, you know, you know, obviously it's a movie, but you see that stuff everywhere where it's like there's these unmeasurable claims that like sound really cool but it's like well how did you arrive to that how did you get to decide if you're the best one in arizona or the united states it's like who yeah, i mean I, who's to say you're wrong either exactly i mean i've i've always taken big branding positions always and i think it's it's smart it gives you something to live up to what was yours I, okay when I, my first company i started an auto detailing company 25 years ago our brand our tagline was america's choice in mobile detail I started a, a home remodeling company. It was called the Leader in Home Repairs and Projects was our tagline. I started a deck refinishing company, America's Choice in Deck Refinishing. I can go on and on. I, every company I do, I grab the boldest position from day one. If I can trademark it, I'm in. So did you just not sleep until you figured out how to do that? Or like, how, how did that happen? Grow into it. You just got to grow into it. Right. No, it's, it's just like, you know, you got, you got, who wants to be average? Right. Yeah, I've always wanted to be proud of myself when I saw myself in the mirror. So I, I don't, I don't think I'm the only one. <laughs> well, no, no, I think it's, I think, it, I think it's good, and I think it, people should should know that. And um, yeah, I think it's important. You know, make a big claim and and gr- and grow your company into it. Right, that's good. Okay, so then if if we're gonna go ahead and wrap up, like, um, obviously, you know, personal branding has been a huge thing for you, and and. How, how have you found ways to kind of like leverage that for your businesses? Has it, has it just gained I you a massive amount? I, I absolutely separate the two. Oh, really? Okay. I, I really do. What my, my, cause my businesses, I own local companies. The thing that my employees always say to people is Sean doesn't need your money. That's kind of my, my branding position within my companies. Trust me, Sean doesn't need your money. He, right. he owns the company cause he wants to, he doesn't need to. <laughs> So I've just leveraged my success in that way. Right. I feel like that puts you like in a very non-intimidating position where like yeah. people can feel more comfortable with you. Yeah, they do. Like, yeah. So I, I, my branding position is, is that I do really well for a living. And so I don't need to rip you off. You know, I don't need to own this company unless I thought it was bringing value to you. Nice. Well, cool. Well, hey, man, I appreciate you just brought so many amazing things. Like I'm going to be I'm going to be re-listening to this multiple times. So I appreciate your uh, your input and your wisdom on us. Uh, this has been really incredible. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I'd love for you to share. We'll, we'll obviously throw it into like the show notes and everything like that. But if you could share ways that people could learn about you, some maybe some resources yeah. you have and share that, that'd be great. Yeah, let me just give you a free book. If you go to SeanCastrina.com, my name, obviously, my eight unbreakable rules for business business startup success is on there and it's free and you can follow me on instagram um i have a pretty large following there so sean castrina so they're, they're the two best ways and and i i'm the host of the 10 minute entrepreneur podcast i speak in like 10 minutes 
that's kind of like my brain. I, I give you a lot. <laughs> like it's like drinking out of a, you know, a fire hose. Right. So that's awesome. Yeah, the 10 minute entrepreneur podcast. Sweet. Well, we'll make sure people check that out. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for letting me be on the podcast. Oh, my pleasure. You have a good one.